if we were to rely on data for everything all the time, there would be parts of the product that would probably never get any love. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, well, the, the data shows that that's not really an area that's important. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. I'm Femke. And I'm Charlie, and today we're going to talk about auditing your design assets, whether that's brand and marketing design assets on my side, whether it's like screens in your product on uh, on Fem's side and in the product design world. Every now and then you have to do kind of like a stock take, I suppose, of what is all of the things that we are creating? How are they all combining together? Which ones are maybe a little bit past their expiry date and might need to be uh, improved and worked on some more? We're going to talk through our thought process as we go about doing audits like this. And yeah, maybe you'll pick up some tips for if, if ever you need to do one of these in the future. But first though, fam, how is a life going? What have you been up to? Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, it's Always. It's not like it's part of our podcast format or anything. <laughs> no, I know. It's such a surprise every time. Uh, it's it's going good. Um, yeah, uh, in my community at the moment, I'm working on setting up masterminds. Uh, so like a few weeks ago, I introduced this masterminds concept where members could opt in to join like a mastermind group of like four to six other designers uh, there's going to be a facilitator for every group, which is like someone that like a member volunteering to be a facilitator. And then they're going to meet like for an hour every second week for like six sessions or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's really time for them to like get to know each other, talk about challenges that they're facing in their career or get some like advice and kind of connect on a deeper level with other members. So uh, like registrations for that closed earlier this week. So now I'm in the process of like making the groups and like, setting up all the logistics cool. for the for the sessions to start and so uh yeah I'm, I'm really excited about that uh we also introduced in the community recently they're called like uh like mocha chats which is like you opt in to sort of be randomly paired with another member for like a 30 minute one-on-one -on -one. Oh. yeah yeah and so uh every every couple of weeks we have that as well where like members randomly get paired with other members who opt in for like a one-on-one -on -one. Uh, so yeah, I've been trying to do more of that stuff of like helping members connect more to each other rather than like just to yes. me. Yeah. So trying to like facilitate more community discussion and, and getting people to, to meet and get to help each other. So yeah, this one really fun. That's awesome. Were you um, surprised at how many people were interested in the mastermind side of things? Like, I don't know, what was it what you were expecting? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. Uh, I have around 200 members and a little over 50 signed up. So like a, a quarter, like 25%, wow, good. Which, yeah. which is not bad because it is quite a time commitment. And when they, when they opt in, like I have this question in the form, like, you know, do you realize the time commitment and do you intend to show up to every session? Like, yes, no, because mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it only works if everyone shows up. Right. So I really want people yeah opting in to be aware of the commitment that they're that they're making so for 25 percent to 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 opt in um yeah is is pretty cool so i'm gonna kind of run that for the, for three months i think it's gonna be the first like cohort of masterminds get some feedback figure out how to improve it and then the plan is to continuously like refresh that every three months so we'll see how it goes that's awesome i love that yeah great idea to get the members to connect to each other mm -hmm. so it's like takes the pressure off you a little bit, but also just like makes use of all of the talent that you have within the community, right? 
exactly exactly yeah because yeah. like I am not the smartest person in the room all the time you know uh like there is definitely some super talented folks in my community I know because I have one-on-one sessions with some of them uh and mm-hmm. I'm like oh you've got so much to to give and to teach other members would be so interested in what you've learned and yeah. what you've experienced right so I I know that the talent and the experience and advice is there I'm just helping try to facilitate connecting everyone so yeah I, I'll report back and let you know how it all goes please do yeah what about you how are you going I finished writing well a draft the first draft of one of the chapters of my book yay just this morning so that felt good I feel like the flow is still happening there and I'm like riding that wave I've had such great response to the like surveys that I put out to learn from people about their challenges that they're facing and I'm using all of that to like yeah inform into the book I wish that I'd been in this spot like a year ago but hey Maybe I had to just work through the process and get to here. But yeah, it's going well and I'm really happy about that. Uh, And it's really finally has been the actual focus of my side project work that I do in a week now. Um, Whereas, you know, I'd always say that I wanted it to be before, but that was not demonstrated with the actions of how long I spent making YouTube videos instead. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much behind the scenes, like logistical, like things that go on with side projects that like finding time for the actual content creation and and the value part gets harder and harder I feel it does it does and so that's why I'm like honestly I'm just going to keep on writing this flow while it's here because I know that it will not stick around forever yeah make the most you know pulled in my busy work yeah yeah but the chapter that I was writing and like why I wanted to talk about this today is because um the book is about this like reset of your brand and marketing design assets taking you through the process to get you from where you are to where you want your work to be uh, where you want the impact to to be for the company that you work at and the first stage is doing an audit of what exists because the reality is a lot of the time as designers working in-house at a company we are not starting from scratch Mm -hmm, right when we mm -hmm. do our work we are starting from a base of something that exists and usually we are working on improving it or if we are adding new things we're wanting to make sure that they fit in with the things that exist it's it's not often that we start from a complete blank page like clean slate Um, so I think doing an audit of what exists at the very start of something like this is really important because it gives you this bigger picture view of what's there Um, on the brand side it's like anything that someone sees related to your brand could have an impact on their perception of you on their perception of the quality not only of the company but of the product itself like brand and marketing design can have an impact on that so yeah doing an audit and and looking at everything that exists and that everything that someone could possibly be seeing is a good place to start making improvements but what is it like on the product side how often do audits happen for you yeah probably not as often as on the the brand and marketing side i would say but I do feel like on the product side, we're often working in such narrow silos of like really particular features mm-hmm. or really particular parts of the product that it's really rare to sit down and like audit the whole product or like end to end flows or like how does all of this fit in from like the zoomed out level, right? Because we're always so at that, that like detail level. Yeah, whenever that opportunity comes up, it's it's rare I feel but it was also really exciting and has a lot of potential because it's it's not something we do very often in my experience I have done these kinds of audits when a new team is formed so like okay we're Mm. forming a new team now we own 
all of these surfaces or these these parts of the product that we didn't own before so we need to start somewhere like let's let's do, take a take an audit and like do stock of like what what are the experiences we own what are all of the flows what are all of the screens let's get them all together uh let's kind of go through them and and identify quick wins or things we want to focus on or improve. I did this uh, at the beginning of the year, actually, when I joined a, a newly formed team inside the company when exactly this thing happened. And I created this whole presentation of like, here's all the screens we now own. And like, here's all the problems that need fixing basically, or like, <laughs> here's the areas of opportunity. Uh, and so I, I've done them in, in that sense. And I feel like I've also done them in context of like, okay, we are, you know, maybe we're not a new team or we don't have new surfaces, but we're going to work on like maybe some sort of vision project or like we're going to work on something we know is going to touch existing surfaces. So let's just make sure we're, we're taking stock of what we have already as a baseline to kind of inspire what we want to do differently or, or how we want to move forward from where we are today. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was talking about at the start, right? Of like, it you need to know where you are in order to improve mm-hmm. and to, to move on from there. I think maybe in my intro, I made it sound like this happens more often than it really does on the brand and marketing side, because I think it sounds very similar to what you're talking about. It's like when you're taking over something new or, I don't know, something new is happening um, yeah. at ConvertKit, what prompted us to do this audit was really... Uh, we've, we haven't rebranded, but we've been shifting our visual language around our brand. And so we wanted to look at like, what's out there? What do we need to work on and update? What's still in our like older style? What's crept into the newer stuff? What's in between and looking a bit weird, but it really doesn't happen that often. And honestly, I think we kind of need to find a way to do it more Mm. because silos like you talked about can be really bad for the overall experience because even though the the experience within the one part of the product or the one part of the marketing site you own looks great works great if it looks and works great in a different way to other parts of the product or other parts of the site yeah then like it makes the overarching experience not a great one so i guess that's the first thing i would encourage in an audit is really just to obviously focus on the things you own and that you can control but to step out of it and also look at where the pieces you own and control fit in into the bigger picture. What's around it that could be affecting people's perception and like experience with the stuff you design, because all of that has an impact too. Your even though it's designed in a silo, it's not used in a silo, mm-hmm. your piece of the product. Yeah, yeah. What I, I wonder, I'm curious to hear how it works on the on the brand side, because in my experience, I have found that sometimes with audits, uh, the team is always very receptive and like, oh yeah, like, oh, how did we not see that before? Or these are definitely things we should fix. But they often don't get prioritized into like roadmap items. Like often the findings mm. from audits end up being like nice to have. It's like not kind of, hmm. oh, we need to critically do this because we're bleeding in this particular area of the product because that's usually pre-informed by data or something, Right before an audit and so yeah what what is what's kind of been the next steps in your experience after an audit has done like what does that lead to like does that eventually inform some of the decisions you make do you does that introduce new projects for your team to like fix things or improve things what kind of happens next I guess yeah I think that I don't know that's an interesting one I'm kind of thinking like if you're not going to make the time to do anything about what you find in the audit, 
why is it happening in the first place? You know? It's a good question. I think that that's kind of like something you're committing to in taking on an audit. You're also committing to taking on making some improvements based on what you find. In our case, we did the audit because we already knew we wanted to change things, but we wanted to make sure we were working and putting our efforts into the right things, you know? Um, so what we, we did like a bunch of grouping because realizing that we were creating a bunch of one-off assets and like pages that didn't that were completely custom designed that weren't templated and we want to bring more of a system to it to make it easier for things to stay consistent and to make it easier for them to be produced as well honestly um so the first step of our audit was to like gather things and group them by like okay what's doing a similar job you know um because maybe they should look visually similar if that's right. what's happening and so yeah. instead of designing like five different assets now we're just designing one because they're all doing the same job all five of those things um you know going forward but i, w I wonder if in in situations where you've found that action hasn't been taken as you gave feedback or like wrote notes on the audit was it taken into account what impact changes could have because that's mm. that's a part of it i think for prioritizing after an audit is not just looking at what needs to change but where do we start like yep. which parts of of what i'm auditing have the highest potential to to be like big improvements that can move the bottom line move the numbers or or whatever you know the metrics are and starting with those ones the ones that have like a low rating when you score them on a scale of like you know how good they are and how good they feel um low rating but high impact mm -hmm. potential like that is a great place for a starting point how do you factor that in when you've done them in the past yeah i i think honestly that that is maybe what has been missing from my audits is like in the past my audits have been like here's the audit and then it kind of just ends and now yeah. hearing hearing you talk about this i'm like oh i should probably add a whole nother section which is like okay, well, here's the level of effort for all of these things, or here's the impact, or here's my proposal on how we should approach this or how to prioritize these things um, is, is not something I've spent a lot of time or thought on in the past. And I'm realizing now that that would probably help bridge the gap to this and like have those conversations. Uh, I'm not sure um, if, yeah, how relevant this is for you on, on your side of marketing things. But for me, I find often I struggle to, to scope things without the like technical engineering kind of knowledge. Yeah, right. That's and fair. so I feel mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. maybe next time I should bring an engineer into this process with me to help kind of scope and like feasibility from the technical side. Cause it's, I can judge it from a design side, like, Oh yeah, quick win. But from a technical side, who knows, right. That could sometimes be not mm. a quick win. Um, so maybe that's something for me to take away and think about doing next time. Yeah. So what, what that sounds like, I'm hearing you talk about is layering on effort as a like right. thing you rank by as well. So if impact is the like, you know, what potential change could this, uh, you know, if we made this change, what could it affect? What impact could it have on a user's experience on the product? Um, but then layering in effort as well, where if, it, if it's something's going to be um, low impact and high effort, yeah. then uh, well, you're not? like, maybe this is not a change to bother implementing. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, maybe it's that way for a reason because of, you know, exactly the situation that it'd be high effort to do anything different. But yeah, bringing in an engineer to help with that effort scoring would probably help things go farther, right? Because I think so. 
then they're more, they've got buy-in into the process. They've given feedback on and like input into the, the the priority order as well. It'd be interesting to see if you closed out an audit, you know, presentation with your top five recommendations, right? For what to implement next, what to work on next. And even if you don't have scoping, it's like, these are the five areas I see that could have a big impact and be worth spending time on. Let's put some time into scoping them and see yeah. if it can fit into our roadmap somewhere and what what um, effort it could take to get them in. But yeah, just to close the yeah. loop on, because often in an audit you find so many things that it becomes overwhelming, right? You don't want it to just to be a presentation of problems, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and like with no ideas on how to action them. So as you're auditing, you've got to look for ways to like group problems together and yeah, prioritize them so that you're going to end up with something that is actually useful for yourself as well at the end of it, rather than just seeing all the problems. Although to be honest, I think that's quite helpful as well to have your eyes opened to, to the problems that, that are there. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point though, is that like when doing the audit, it's good to touch on the problem and then also like the opportunity or recommendation that you have for like how to, how to approach that problem. Cause we can all talk about problems, but like, again, going back to like the scoping and the effort, like without having an idea of what the recommendation could be or what the opportunities are for how to solve this, it's hard to then scope, right? Cause you don't, you don't really know how to fix it or you haven't had that conversation. So, uh, yeah, I think that's really important to to make sure that you're providing at least some ideas around recommendations or opportunity. It doesn't have to be like a fully fledged out, like, here's the new design I would recommend. But like, yeah, you could yeah. even just type a few sentences of like, you know, here's what I recommend we do. Remove this and move this up in the hierarchy or whatever would be enough, I think. Yep. Agreed. As you've done audits, like when your team formed, for example... I know that as a product designer, research and uh, like you know data on on how the product is being used is really important. Is that where you started, or did you start with just I don't know your own eyes? Yeah, as well to begin with. <laughs> yeah. What was that like? Um, uh, so I I did not include research or or data. So it was purely from like I a, am surprised to hear you say uh, that. I feel like product <laughs> designers don't do anything without researching it first. Dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, we don't have a researcher on our team. Actually, we have one starting on Monday as of recording this Ooh, episode. Exciting. So we have one starting <laughs> starting very soon, but we haven't had one re- like historically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been unfortunate. But no, I really took the audit from a perspective of like, so also for context, the, the new team that we formed is like a platform team. So I also took it through mm-hmm. the lens of like from a platform perspective, right? Like how 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 is this all working? Like, let's look at all of our surfaces. Is this working well from a platform perspective? So I kind of took it through the lens of like our domain and and what our goal is as a team. And uh, I think it also helped that I was like still at that time relatively new to the company. So I also took like Mm. that kind of fresh eyes approach of like, I don't know the historical baggage behind how these features came to be or whatever, but purely from like a fresh eyes perspective, sort of here's here's my thoughts or here's the problems that I'm identifying so yeah kind of taking it from the lens of like what is the mandate or the goal of our team uh and from like a platform visual UI sort of design perspective uh that's that's kind of the lens that I took I love that you did that because 
I think that sometimes with, um, I don't know, research and data is super important. Obviously it can help inform us and inform our guts, the, the decisions that we make, but we can also use the like experience that we've built up as designers throughout our careers to critique things in an audit as well. And I personally, I recommend it as the starting point is to take your own knowledge, in my case, of the brand, of the target audience, of what you know that the, you know, the pages or the assets that you're looking Mm -hmm, at should mm -hmm. be doing and rank them yourself just based on your gut instinct. Um, And I guess like a way to reframe it, if anyone feels uncomfortable with that or that it doesn't feel scientific enough, you could think of it as making a hypothesis first off, like, okay, I think that this asset is performing at this level. And then you can go look at the data and look at the research and see if your like gut reaction was backed up there. But yeah, I think audits can take a long time if you don't start with your gut reaction because you don't always have the luxury of being able to dig into every little thing and like the the metrics behind everything the research behind everything so if you go with your gut first you can get an idea of which are the important areas that we should actually dig into further and bother to look at the research for and the data for and not waste your time on the stuff that is perhaps not as important because you were trying to be all like like open-minded about it and uh like treat everything equally until the data proves otherwise like no your guts wants to treat things differently because (laughs) you know what parts are more important than others yeah yeah i like that and i think that the data can play a role in like once you have identified the problems um Mm -hmm. and now maybe you're trying to assess the level of impact like that's when i think maybe the the data can play a role because the data might show that like oh yeah a thousand people are interacting with this button every day so maybe that is really high impact or it might say like oh no only like three people are interacting with this so like impact's not as high so I think like that's where it could play a role is like in in that second part of the process when you're trying to figure out next steps and like scoping and, and estimates. Um, that could be a helpful, like a good time to bring in data to help really assess the impact of, of the things you've identified. And I, I think that, yes, I agree, but also that you should make your own gut rating on it first. Like uh, what I advise in, in my book is like a t-shirt sizing of... Right how impactful this this particular asset is you know like i don't need the data to tell me that probably the home page gets more visits than <laughs> the about page on the site sure, right sure. like we don't have to be like let's look at the data and, and check that um we know we can we can make an assumption and then use data to like check that hypothesis right um of it first off but we got to learn to trust ourselves in design sometimes too, you know, that especially when we become subject matter experts as in-house yeah. designers on our brand, on the audience we're designing for. Um, there's, there's a lot of value in, in the knowledge around that. That's true. And I feel like sometimes, like if we were to rely on data for everything all the time, there would be parts of the product that would probably never get any love. Do you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like, well, the, the data shows that that's not really an area that's important. That's a great point. It goes the other way too. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So like, I don't know, we need to make sure that we're giving those parts some love as well. Yeah, and actually that makes me think of something that I like to advise on the brand and marketing side is that you can have an asset, like a landing page, uh, an ad that's converting really well and it's like technically performing for you, but visually it just 
doesn't look great. <laughs> like this happens, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Design that is not at the quality bar can still convert really well. It's very like, frustrating because it, it makes it hard for us to <laughs> back up our work and like, you know, the value of design and talk about why we need to improve it when people are like, but this one's doing really well over here and it, even though it looks shit. But I think there is still so much value in, in remembering that we want to create consistency right across it all. So yes, this shitty looking asset is converting well, but let's see if we can make it convert well and match the rest <laughs> of our brand so that it's not like negatively impacting any quality perceptions that could maybe not show themselves in this one metric, this one conversion rate thing we're looking at or clicks, but overall it can like add up over time and um, yeah, damage the, the perception of the brand. So your gut is just as important as the data sometimes. And if the data is saying something's all good, but something in you is saying, no, 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 it's something still needs to be worked on, then you can listen to that as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's a good good combination of both the intuition and, and data. Uh, yes, intuition. That's, yeah. that's a good word for it. What would your recommendation be to someone who has not done an audit before, but maybe they want to start doing this in their process or bring this into a future project? What, what would you recommend they do or how to start? I would recommend doing it when A, you have the time and like you know you want to commit to possibly some big sweeping changes that might happen as part of, of doing this audit. So maybe it's like once a year you go through this process with your team where you're like, okay, we've been focused really deep like on the on the pixels, on our little part of, of the app or the site that we work on. Let's zoom out now for the next few weeks and be looking at all of it, doing an audit, coming up with ideas for what to test, what to improve. Um, I would treat it as almost like the start of a project of itself rather than the start of a different project. But your point, Femme, about joining a team or forming a new team mm -hmm. seems like a great time to do this as well because it, I'm imagining it was a pretty fun exercise to go through together as yeah, well to yeah. like everyone be getting this understanding at the same time. That's like a great team building experience to be mm -hmm. scoping out the problem together. Um, and all getting that shared understanding. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to kick off a team. Uh, we also, on my team, we just had a principal designer start a couple of weeks ago, uh, joining our design systems team. And in his first couple of weeks, he's like stealthily been like auditing our design system, uh, which has been amazing. Like to have someone come in with like totally fresh eyes and be a real domain expert in this area mm -hmm. and give us sort of like all of this feedback and do this complete audit and asking asking us questions that sound really basic, but like have really complicated answers behind them uh, has been really great for us and our team. So I think also that moment when you, you are new and fresh to the team is also a really valuable time or fresh to a company is also a really valuable time to do these kinds of audits because it's, it's so great to get that fresh perspective uh, from, mm -hmm. from new people joining the company. So yeah, I, I just wanted to put that out there too because I think that also could be a really good time. Yeah, and that is adding value to the team pretty quickly as well, right? If you come in and, and everyone's obviously heads down focused on on their thing, but you can help them see yeah. the bigger picture again because exactly. it is so easy to lose sight of as you're focusing on your day-to-day -day work, then yeah, that's a really, it's going to be a great way to add value to the team quickly and for you to start having conversations about the work, I guess, with, with your new teammates. Totally. Well, Fem. 
where can people go to hear more episodes of this hair show yeah you can go to designlife.fm or you can search for design life in your favorite podcast app what is your favorite podcast app by the way we always say that i'm like what one does fam use (laughs) i use pocket casts that's what i use oh nice i use overcast i'm an overcast oh (laughs) nice 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 and uh, well, back on back on track. If if anyone has a topic <laughs> that they would like to hear us talk about in an episode in the future, then you can email us. We're hello at designlife.fm or tweet us at designlife.fm over on Twitter. We'd love to hear what's on your mind. What mm-hmm. are you working through? What problems are you facing? And um, how could we and our career experience possibly help you? Or maybe just commiserate with you. Sometimes that happens too. Yes, yes. We always love to hear from our listeners. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And we will be back next week. See you later, Charlie. See you then. Bye.